1: Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the show. Hope you enjoyed the 4th of July. I'd say weekend, but it was on a Tuesday. It's middle of the week now, Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. It's episode 388, and I'm excited about today's guest. A um, sim- similar guy, not similar guy, but he's into similar stuff, talking to people, interviewing people. He's got a great podcast called Wrestling Changed My Life. He's had some amazing audio documentaries. It's Ryan Warner. Ryan, thanks for joining us today, man. How you doing?
0: Doing great, thanks for having me, guys,
1: yeah, yeah, you bet um, and you know I know about your podcast, you do a great job, um love listening to this stuff, but I kinda wanna and I wanna get into that and your background with that, but I wanna get into like, your wrestling background, like how old were you when you got into wrestling? How did you kind of get into the sport
0: yeah, it's um it's not as glamorous as some of the guests I've had, but uh Started, uh, believe it or not, my grandpa wrestled, and then um, I had an older brother that wrestled, and um, he was like twenty years older than me. But basically, when I was like probably in, like first grade, kindergarten, sometime in there, my younger brother, who's who we grew up together in wrestling, we're thirteen minutes younger. His name's Tanner. We found a pair of old wrestling shoes and kind of asked what they were, and basically that led to us going to practice a couple times a week. And really didn't take it serious until about sixth grade, and then I think something's some kind of switch flip that summer where going into sixth grade just got obsessive about it, doing like weight workouts with my dad and you know running to uh, running to the park and back, you know just little stuff. But at the time, it was like the first time I'd ever done that. And then you know sixth grade through eighth grade had some good success. Um, You placed a couple of times at the state tournament. And really was just totally obsessed with it. Like, as much about the history of it as the wrestling itself. Like, I could name, like, all the Iowa guys, all of, you know, Gable's era was just way into it. And then when I got into high school, you know, was an Illinois state placer, went out to Fargo, never placed out there. But, you know, it's just like a, I always say like a good wrestler, like a state level wrestler, but not national. And then after high school, I was initially going to go wrestle Division Three at university of dubuque i ended up getting a little homesick i stayed home and i started a wrestling club called the outlaw wrestling club which was a freestyle and greco club in the quad cities which is where i'm from western illinois and uh coached and ran that for five years with my brother and then basically at that time i was done with school and then i moved to san francisco to get into business and i completely got out of wrestling all entirely and that was about 2013 2014 and I graduated high school in 07 so that's kind of the long and short of it but like if you knew me in middle school or high school you would just know like that was that weird wrestling kid like I used to have like competitions where I'd see how many days in a row I could wear a wrestling tournament t-shirt like just total (laughs) total loser but uh just totally loved the sport and got back into it after about five years out um working and then that's kind of how I started the podcast
1: okay uh I have a similar story. I have a brother that's uh, 14 months older than me, and we got into wrestling together, and I was obsessed and loved it, and, and I, I just wanted to breathe it, you know, and, and learn everything about it. So I think that's cool. Um, why, why'd why you come back from San Francisco?
0: So, okay, so I was in San Francisco from 2014 to 2019, and basically, I'd just gone out there to get a, you know, I, I work in tech sales and like, that was like ground zero. I always say like, if you were a wall street banker in the eighties, you wanted to work on wall street. If you were in tech sales, San Francisco in the late 20, 2010s, I guess is what you call it was really kind of the epicenter. So was out there. And then after I'd established my career, I could then start getting like decent jobs in Chicago. And so I took a sales job back in Chicago and my brother lives in Chicago. I grew up about two hours West of here. And so a lot of my friends were up here and it was just close to home and so I was ready to get back. It it was great to leave the nest for a few years but um you know San Francisco is a definitely an interesting city and it's you cannot buy a house out there <laughs> at the time for under like millions. So I was like what's my path here? So initially decided to to make the move back to Chicago and it, it's been awesome. I've been back here about 5 years now and right before I left San Francisco my roommate one of my best friends We started a business podcast together. Before the wrestling? uh, Before wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were both into sales, and we thought – I don't know if you ever heard of Tim Ferriss, but I used to love the Tim Ferriss podcast. Uh And we thought we were going to be like that for, like, salespeople. (laughs) And so we did We had some – we were good at getting good guests on. Like, for example, we got a lot of business people on. So, like, Jordan Belfort, the original Wolf of Wall Street, we Uh actually got him on. And, um, so we had some good interviews. And then when I was probably, I started that for like six months. And then when I moved back to Chicago in February, 2017, my buddy kept doing the sales podcast and he still does it to this day. And then I decided I really love podcasting, but I wanted to do something with wrestling. And then later that year, 2017, I think the worlds were in Paris that year. Uh And I remember watching that and I was just like, so obsessed with just everything team USA, like it was amazing how just how good we were. And so that was kind of like the catalyst to be like, all right, actually start a podcast in wrestling and get going with it. And that's kind of how I got on the track I'm on now. All right. Um, tell me
1: who was your first guest? How'd you set it
0: up? What was that like? Man, it's so funny because so the podcast is called Wrestling Changed My Life. I initially started it under a different name called A Wrestling Mind. Okay. And then I real I didn't know anything about the current landscape of wrestling. Then I realized quickly there was wrestling mindset, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> those guys are great. Too close to that, but so on that podcast we had like Tom Ryan, Reese Humphrey, Sergey Belglazov, um, and Anatoly Belglazov. They just happened to be in Chicago, and I got in front of them. And then those were recorded in like the spring, but they were never really released. And so probably the first one under wrestling changed my life was actually I remember this. I had flown to New York for a work meeting, and so I did a little road show. I did, I stopped in Philly and did Jeff Buxton, uh-huh. and then he took me via his van to New York City where my next day meetings were, and I did Jesse Jansen and Brandon Buckley, and those were all in person. And then the large majority for a while were all virtual. So, but those those three, um I actually forgot about that. Yeah, those are the first three. Um, what
1: what, what were those? I don't know. Compare your your early podcast to you know today, and the similarities or differences.
0: Uh, I take it I'm way more structured and way more serious, and like way more, just like I kind of get like a little. Most people would call it like OCD about like how structured I am about things. So now it's just way I think about it way more like months in advance. So I guess similarities are I still just love sitting down with these people as I'm sure you do, and just talking wrestling. Like man. 10 years ago I would have just been excited to have a conversation with them for 5 minutes now we get to talk for an hour and most of the time they're asking me to come on so that hasn't changed just the love of the the conversations but I would say the biggest difference now is that I every time I'm like trying to get the interview skills better like I've kind of boiled down key interview skills in my head and if like I violate them during a podcast I'll really get mad at myself so now it's more like actually trying to refine skills but also getting enjoyment out of it um, it's kind of, it's tough because like you want to keep it fun and exciting, but you also don't want to make it like a second job where you're kind of like just doing things you dread, which I don't, but you know, there's definitely times where like if I'm really deep into a documentary and I'm also still trying to get two episodes out a week, it does kind of feel like that. So it's just a fine balance of keeping it fun and like making sure that the guests coming on are people I actually want to talk to, you know? Yeah. 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 hundred
1: percent. Uh, I'm curious about these rules. You said, uh, I I, I've set rules and if I violate
0: one during the podcast, I get upset. Can can you give me an example? This is definitely for the in-person interviews. Cause like all the audio docs, the the interviews are in person. So like for the Cejudo one probably did 24 in-person interviews, you know, anywhere from an hour to three hours. So there's a lot less forgiveness when you're in person because their mic picks up your audio. So I would say a couple of the rules are one, ask short questions. Like when I get really nervous, I'll ask a question, and it's maybe a five-minute-long question. Like <laughs> I, I'll say, "What was your memory of this event?" And then I'll go on to explain for five minutes why I'm asking that question when I could have just said, "What was your memory of Fargo '03?" O- so ask short questions too. Don't interrupt. And this is just more so because we're wrestling geeks, and like I want to jump in and like add to the story. But during an interview, it's really less of a, a conversation than uh, I'd want it to be. So don't interrupt too. Three is when I'm just, like, I hate when someone's doing an interview and every five seconds they go, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, mm mm-hmm. So it's like, just be quiet is rule number three. Like, don't, don't say anything when they're talking. And then I would say, like, rule number four is, like, yeah, I call it let the silence do the work, but it's really, like, let's say you get done saying something and I think you're done, but really you're just going to your next topic and I cut you off, like, the amount of gold I just took away from the listener by cutting you off, you'll never know, right? So I have a rule where it's like, let them let them be, and, and we do it because like being around people and having silence is very awkward. So like in an in-person interview when it's just me and Henry Cejudo in my hotel room, I don't want there to be silence, right? So I want to jump in and say something right away. But like the more you just wait, I have like a three to five second rule where I'll wait three to five seconds before I jump in. Because you don't know when they're done or not. And if you cut them off, you're just going to, you never know where they were going to go. So those are a few I do. And every time, those are like my main four. But every time I do a new documentary, I haven't done in-person interviews for about a year. So like the first two or three are, I listen to them and I'm just like cringing, man. It (laughs) kills me because you don't even notice you're doing it, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. I should have waited. Those are a few. I should have waited. I cut you off. (laughs) <laughs> no, I cut no, you no, off, no, no, no it's, no, it's more so for it's more so for like the interviews for the documentaries. um, those are I would say not a conversation whereas when I do like my weekly show, I try to make those more of a conversation, but I do still think the main ones apply like ask a simple question, don't ask two questions at once, um, and just try to like let them talk and not interrupt them, I guess and it's just good principles for life, right? Yeah, uh,
1: I have a three to five second rule too, but it, it deals with food hitting the floor.
0: <laughs> and 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 six seconds, you're you're not eating it, but five, you are, huh? Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. Sometimes we count faster or slower depending upon the situation. Um, Depends whose floor I, it is. That yes, exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I learned that 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 uh, don't cut them off. Never interrupt them. Uh, we, I don't forget what document it was. Years, eight or nine years ago, we were doing a documentary. And I usually work with like a, you know, a videographer or a, you know, a director of photography. These some of these guys are like, they do movies and high end commercials and all kinds yeah. of stuff. And we get done. And he's like, hey, don't ever, you know, he waited till the end, but he's like, don't ever cut anybody off. I was like, what? He's like, what you just said. He's like, you never know what they're gonna say, so I always kind of let it breathe. Um, yeah. Um, so when
0: you're doing like i've watched the raw interview you guys did with royce for terry so you uh-huh. guys have released a few of the raw interviews so like all the flow films you're doing the interviews right you're yep. the main guy doing the interviews yeah mm-hmm. how do you when you prep for him like do you because this is another big thing is like the prep for an in-person interview can be daunting do you work with someone else to kind of flush out the story of the film or do you just kind of go with what you know and then let the editor do it afterwards
1: no yeah we have a. Uh... We have a pre-production and then in, in a post-production process. So, and it's changed over the years, but it's, you know, our our films team is called the Flow Sports Films and Original Series. Now we actually have like a wing of the content department. There's like the editorial, the people who write, you know, stories and, and do the rankings. And then there's like a, a films component to it. So there's like a couple, uh, I guess they call them supervising producers, guys that are like film dudes. You know, they went to film school. That That's the, their path is like, you know, and I've kind of blended in with that, but I'm nowhere near as talented as they are. So we'll, we'll meet, you know, we'll pitch an idea and we, we come up with one and then we'll have pre, pre pre-production meetings of like, this is the story and this is kind of the way we want to tell it. And then I used to, and I, I used to write like the first time I, you know, they're like, write 200 questions. I'm like, what? like, write 200 questions, you know? And then I'll come up with a big sheet, and then they look at it. and And now I don't know. I don't send the questions off for anybody to review anymore. I know what to ask, but I'll still go through and be like, okay, you know, we want to cover this, and here's a bunch of questions. And I'll I'll have less. And really, by like writing all the questions and and going through all the pre production doc, not documentary, but document the pre pre pro doc. By the time we get to the interview, I'll I'll have my computer on my lap with all the questions in front of me. But I'm like, when I first started, I was like looking down. Asking a question, looking down, asking the next. Now I kinda know where we wanna go and if we get sidetracked, I can always come back. But I'll just kinda let it mm-hmm. go. And and like you said, it's it's less conversational and more like these are the things we want to I want you to talk about. Cause I'm like you said, I'm just asking the questions. What what I say on here is not really gonna make it in there. So um what what have you learned going through this process about about people about wrestlers about how to do podcasts or or documentaries man. which you, you do a great job of
0: Yeah, I mean there's there's like there's a couple tracks right? It's like learning about wrestling and just I tell you and then there's the whole track of like learning about how to make documentaries and stories and all that which maybe isn't as interesting to the wrestling audience but I think the one thing that jumped out to me is man like being like diehard wrestlers we sometimes take for granted how excited like someone in the business world gets who wrestled for like three years in high school and like, I'll just be in a meeting or something and they'll, I'll just happen to mention I do a podcast and like they wrestled for three years in high school and it was the world to them. So I guess the main point is I always kind of take for granted how big of a deal wrestling is to anyone who's taken place in it, whether they're Jordan Burroughs or just like, again, some guy who went out for it and didn't even know anything about it. And then, you know, really impacted their mentality. So I think that's cool, and like the other thing too is, I and mean, just the relationships from wrestling, you. It's hard to describe how like warm you feel when you leave the nationals. You know, when you're coming home, or like when you go to an event in person, you see everyone. It's like the relationships in wrestling are so unique, and that's probably like the biggest benefit of most of my guests. When I, I usually ask them how did wrestling change their life, a good third have said. It's through the people I've met alone that have had the biggest impact. Like, just getting to know someone who is an Olympic champion or who has the mentality to do that, that's, like, to them is what really stands out. And so I would say that, to me, even, it's like, man, the relationships in wrestling are so special. So I've really learned to just the two things. not Never take it for granted how important wrestling is to someone who, like, you know, maybe didn't have the success but just went out, and then two is... The relationships you build, man, are just so unique.
1: Yeah. Um, it's like once you're a wrestler, you are just – you're a wrestler, whether you're JV for two years, like you said, or, or, or whether mm-hmm. you're Jordan Burroughs. Uh, yeah. And maybe you just kind of answered it, but I'm going to ask you. I don't know if any people ask you, but how did wrestling change your life?
0: Man, I always say wrestling is the number, number one thing it gave me is a sense of self-confidence. And it's not like it just came from going out for one day – it's because, you know, when you put in work for something, whether it's prepping for an interview or prepping for a big meeting, you get confidence through the prep work. And th- mm-hmm. so I was just obsessed with, like, the training and, like, going to practice and doing two-a-days. And through all of that, I got a lot of self-confidence. And that, I guess that really is, like, a 2 a two prong lesson. One is you only feel confident if you do the work. And so if you do the work and you do the, you know, whatever it is, you're going to feel more confident. And two is, Once you've seen that payoff in one very narrow area, like you started wrestling terrible, you were horrible, you put in the work, you got better. Once you've done that experiment and just like something very small like wrestling, you can apply it to anything, whether it's like right now I'm getting obsessive about golf. So like I know if I put in a lot of time, I can get better at golf or, you know, anything like running a marathon or it just really shows you like putting in work will impact one, the outcome. And two, just, you know, having that kind of self-belief that you can do anything as long as you put in the work has really been huge for me.
1: Sure. This is maybe not even a fair question, but like, I was going to say, do you have a favorite podcast guest or favorites, not the right word. One that stands out. Cause favorites, like, it's hard to just be like this, mm-hmm.
0: man. I, I always say there's one that comes to mind to me is one that I still think about all the time. And, really was like i go back and listen to if i need a kick in the butt is you know, david taylor is definitely well, i'm a fanboy of david taylor I'm not, I'm not even ashamed to admit it. i'm obsessed with the magic man he's the best and uh but he his the first time he came on the show he talked about his transition from 74 to 86 i believe it is mm-hmm. and how much he struggled like cutting down to 74 and then gaining the weight and like i just i'll never forget like It was like a fifteen minute segment, and it was just like so. Man, it's like right before this guy pinned Yazdani at the at the Clubs Cup in Tehran, I believe, or I don't know where in Iran, but it was in Iran. He was getting thrown around by those dudes, and like he was having a lot of hard times. And like that match kind of really sparked it for him. And then later at the Worlds, he draws him in the first round, and you know he's down big and comes back there and beats him. So it just reminded me, it's like you never know how close you are to a breakthrough. Until you keep going. And like he was at rock bottom, like, you know, and he says it. So that interview, I actually got chills talking about it. That one always sticks out to me. And it's not that I don't love every single guest, I do. And like every story is unique. And there's hundreds that if I went through and looked at every episode, every one, I would have a story like that. But that's one that always sticks out because, man, you look at someone who was like untouchable in college and then went through a real some real growing pains, you know? Um, and then is now going to go down as one of the best ever, as we always knew he would. But just to see that play out was something like, man, people, actually someone last week texted me about that one. They're like, I had no idea he had that much weight problem. So that was one that sticks out for sure.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: so, you you know, you start the
1: podcast, you're doing all these podcasts, you're talking about these wrestlers people. At what point were you like, maybe I want to try to do, I'm going to do a documentary. I want to try to do a documentary. And <clears throat> you, you had done the, you know, you said Tim Ferriss. So obviously, you listen to podcasts, and you started the the, yeah. the business podcast and your own. Did you listen to audio podcasts? Pod- I, I did mean, uh, uh, audio documentary. Excuse me. Um, and yeah, what was the uh, inspiration to, to to do your own? Which one was your first? I know I just asked three questions, but I'll
0: let you go. <laughs> so the first one was Gable the Goat, which was it was done with high spirit. Like I was really excited about it, but now knowing what I know about editing storytelling like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go back and listen to that. I think I would I would be embarrassed. <laughs> My mom still says it's her favorite which every time she says that it she doesn't know how much that hurts me because of <laughs> how much better I think I've gotten at it, but she still says that's her favorite one. So and don't get me wrong, the first time I interviewed Gable in person, I'll never forget that. And that that came about because of that documentary series. Um but yeah, so Audio Docs so really how I thought about it was two things. One is Interview based podcasts, anyone can do those, and there's a lot of them. And it's you're not very differentiated if that's all you do. So, a little bit of it selfishly was I wanted to have a differentiator that, hey, in addition to the interviews, which I think we're doing a great job at, well, you know, I want to do something a little bit different. And so that was one. But then, two, it actually came from my wife. She's a true crime fanatic. Like, <laughs> and now I'm a true crime fanatic because of it. But so she loves these, like, you ever heard of the podcast Serial?
1: Mm-hmm. But it was ass, like the first
0: audio doc ever it was about this guy adnan sayed who was wrongly imprisoned, who just got out but it was like this it was like in probably 2010 and it was a multi-part audio doc and it actually ended up getting this guy free from jail that's how like it, millions and millions of downloads so through true crime we listen to a lot of audio docs and she's like listen you know i think a lot of people don't like interview podcasts. Like, I love them because I'm like a self learner. My whole library is self help. It's, it's pathetic. Uh, but I think you would tap into a whole new audience of people who listen to like audio docs. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So that's kind of how we started it. I did the Gable series. And then I said, I need to really get into the art of storytelling. So I bought a couple books. Um, but the one that really changed my life, it's called The Writer's Journey. I read it every audio doc, multiple times. It's basically this guy who used to work for Disney. He took Joseph Campbell's whole volume of work on how to... And Joseph Campbell's the guy who was a major influence on Star Wars. He was like the main consultant on Star Wars. Um, but he wrote this huge anthology of like how to tell a story, but it's very hard to read. So this guy, Joseph Vogel, took all of that and wrote his book for all the Disney execs and said, Hey, every story we need to tell needs to have these common themes. And once you read it and get to see it, it's like, wow, every story, whether it's a 30 minute TV show or a 10 episodes season of game of Thrones, they all have these same themes. And so the first doc I tried that out on was this single episode audio doc called assembly fall. And it's, um, it's the most famous upset in the Illinois state tournament history the Illinois state tournaments held at assembly hall and in the finals, Eric Tannenbaum was pinned. So we called it assembly fall. But um, that was the first one that was like, I really put the structure of story into it and that turned out great. And then the next one was the Smiths and that was massive. That was, that definitely put us on the map because I mean, it was just such a big project. I mean, I'll never it was huge. It was seven episodes, tons of in-person interviews. like, And then after the Smiths, we did Brandon uh, Slang Satiev, which is Brandon Slay's upset over the great Satiev. Yeah. Did not get to interview Satiev, but we did transcribe three hours of YouTube interviews that were in Russian and then had a voice actor read them in English. So we got basically three hours of Satiev interviews that had never been heard. Um, and then after the Slang Satiev one, I wanted to do a Chicago one. And that's when we did the, uh, the Tony Davis story, Mm -hmm. which hits on something near and dear to me, the Harvey twisters. Cause as a kid, man, you can't realize just how dominant these, this team was. And then, you know, most recently we did this Henry Cejudo one, which was like back to the level of the Smiths in terms of like, we knew it was going to be the biggest thing we've ever done. And it was timed up with Henry's comeback fight. So long winded answer, just to kind of say how I got into it and some of the ones we've done, but it's such a tremendous amount of work to get one of these done, like 10, 10 to nine, ten to twelve months. That it's just it's a lot. I wish we could do more. And I'd be remiss without saying one of my my partners on these is Raleigh Peterkin. Yeah, he wrestled at Penn, mm-hmm. uh, Fargo Champ. We got we got we actually met through Instagram, and ever since then, man, we've been like just creative partners on these audio docs. I'll send him a script; he'll give me feedback. I'll send him a draft he'll give me feedback, and like for the Henry one, we were in multiple daily communications for, like the last three months, so it's just been a it's been a lot of fun man
1: cool what role what, like how do you i don't know split up the roles what do what you and raleigh? I knew you did it I didn't know whether or not you had help i, I had seen you i got an interview yeah. or something with you and raleigh at, at some point
0: so what I do is the kind of the structure is like what I love about an audio doc also is like how every two months your job changes. So like the first two months, it's all research. And then the next month is building the outline for like the, all right, seven episodes. What's the outline going to be? And then it's setting all the interviews, building the character list. And once you have like, all right, these are the 50 people we'd love to interview. Who are the top 20? Start with that. Do the interviews. And so I'm thinking of the Henry Doc, right, Henry Sahudo. we started basically in July, researched till September, built the story, in like October did interviews November, December, January, and then after the interviews are done, so like w- when Raleigh comes in, it's basically right before the interviews, just to kind of say, "Hey, this is what we're thinking for the flow of the story, um, kind of like what you do with your team probably right hey, this is the this is what I'm thinking for the like the angle right like we can't do a bibliography in Henry's life. What's the angle we're going to take? Well, the one we took was how he was like this experiment for a living at the OTC as a high schooler, right? That was kind of our angle. And then I would go do the interviews. I would send them to him to listen to, and he would like, just kind of comment. Oh, I love that bit at 25 minutes, 12 seconds. Or I love the bit when he's talking about X. And so after all the interviews take place, that's when like the work really starts. Well, Yes and no, because if you mess up the interviews, the story's going to suck. Yeah. So, like, you got to nail the interviews, but after the interviews are done, it's like 26 to 30 hours of audio. I take them and I transcribe them to text, and then I just go through, I'll send the text files to Raleigh, and we both go through and highlight, like, our favorite bits, and then we'll just kind of start putting them in order to the to the outline we built in October. So, it's a lot that goes into it, but it's it's just so much fun, and, like, I get obsessive about things, so... Every two months, the job changes, though. Like, once we're done going through all the interviews, then we write the script. And then once the script's written, then it's all editing. And that's where, like, I'm banging on the keyboard, you know, doing the actual editing and adding the music in and adding the archival in. So it's just, man, it you got me talking about it. I'm getting excited about the next one now because I haven't thought about it in a little bit of time after the the Henry one that went live end of April. And I, I kind of took a step back from the docs for about six weeks to recharge, so... Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of how we work together though.
1: Well, yeah, they they're great. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um Thank you, man.
0: Can you think back to
1: an interview that like you're sitting there doing the interview and maybe you know, a lot of times you know <clears throat> what what you want them to say, right? But then mm-hmm. sometimes you like you ask a question and they're like there's something new and you're like, "Oh,
0: holy, okay." The best yeah, go
1: go can you give me an example of, of a time like that we're yeah. like holy crap here oh here we Angel go.
0: Cejudo, man yeah so we were <clears throat> I went to Arizona to, for like a week and angel was the day before I interviewed Henry so Henry was on a Thursday I interviewed angel on Wednesday and I knew this was going to be like crucial interview because angel was along for the ride right yeah. um and so kind of kind of to your point half the time I'm like I just I know what I need you to say. Can you just say it? You know yeah. obviously we can't do that, but but then like you said every interview you get something. You never it's not in an article online. No one's ever even heard of this. And for the Angel one two things that I'm thinking of stick out. One is how when Henry went to the OTC he only was allowed to go if Angel was going. And I just assumed that Angel always wanted to go. Well, it turns out the summer before what would have been Angel's freshman year in college, he has a baby and he doesn't want to leave Phoenix and almost doesn't move to Colorado. And like up until the last day he could left, he wasn't going to leave. Like, and then finally he decided to leave Arizona, leave his family and go to the OTC, which allowed Henry to go. And during this part of the interview, he starts crying. Tell me about it and how he, the only reason he went was for Henry and how he knew Henry was special and he wanted Henry to have this chance. So like, This whole summer, like June of 04 through August of 04, Angel's on the fence about going, never tells Henry, and Henry almost doesn't even get to go because Angel didn't go. And so like that, when he started crying, I was like, man, we're on to something. Because Angel's definitely a little more reserved until you get to know him. So that was one part. And then there was another part where through the documentary you guys did, the saga of Terry and Henry, which I've watched probably 10 times. I love it. You guys hit on a lot where Henry goes AWOL for a week and at the sun kiss kids. And then, you know, Terry kicks him out, you know, and you have to tell that story. That's an amazing story. But I didn't know that six months before that, Henry had like gone back to Phoenix and Terry made angel drive back and get him. Like, so just, huh. just stories like that, man, that you never even know about. And then, Someone will tell it, and there was probably there was probably like five or six of those during this process. Um, I'm thinking of another one with Kyle Sermonara where they talk about, like, Terry hiding out in a tree on the cog, and no one was able to confirm it. So, like, you, you know, just stuff like that, man. But the Angel Sahuda one, that interview ended. It went almost three hours. He left the room. I ran to In and Out, smashed like a triple burger. I was so excited. I've never been more jacked up after an interview. It was so good. Yeah, it's it's crazy because uh,
1: you get that like um, it's like this rush, this high, right? And I've I've experienced it too, where you get out of an interview like, holy shit, that yeah, that was great, and it, and it feel it's like I don't compete in wrestling, but it's like that feeling of like going out and and getting a big win or winning a tournament. Like you just feel great the rest of the day. Yeah. Uh, All I
0: can think about is when they leave is back up the recording ASAP. Because it's just me in the interview room. So it's like I got three recorders going, two cameras going. The person leaves, everything's still going. And I just like very carefully walk over, stop recording, back it up, stop recording, back it up. And until it's like backed up on three hard drives, then I can relax. But yeah, it is like a a match. Like before an interview when you're just waiting for the person to get there, you're nervous as shit. Just like you're in the warm-up area. But then when it starts going, you're good. So it's very similar.
1: Yeah. It's interesting that you, you mentioned the the Henry, the saga of Henry and Terry, right? Yeah. Because originally, so the the whole Terry film, it didn't start out with this plan to be what it was. It was going to be like another, like we do one or two episode things and, and you move on, right? And we went out and interviewed Terry and Tom. And Tom was like, you should talk to Royce. And we talked to Royce. And we bring it back. We're like, dude, this is this is really good. This is, we should, we should probably go talk to Gable and then we should probably go talk to so-and-so. And they're like, we got it. We're uh, so And the, the idea of originally, or or pretty close to the original idea was like this big thing. And then there'd be a whole bunch about Henry and Terry and, and this and that. And then I like, just was like, no, Terry, the story is Terry and his yeah. journey. And, and, and then we had this cool little offshoot, you know, that you mentioned, uh, uh, it was kind of like its own little leg about henry i'm curious if that's ever happened to you where you went in with this idea and then it's like oh, actually this is the path and maybe we can take this and, and do something else with it
0: i wouldn't say um so two things on that one i'd love to know how you guys decide to interview kendall because kendall makes that film like that was the best L- interview that we ever done
1: that was a a last
0: minute you know, like, cause it was like, okay,
1: and Tom and Terry and, and Royce and then we're like, all right, we're done. Then we're like, ah, we need to talk to Gable. Then we talked to Gable yeah. we like, ah, we should probably go talk to, uh, I, I don't even know it was Tom Ryan and then it was, uh, I don't even, can't even remember all of them, but it was like, and they had made like Tom a Tom Ryan's cut, good
0: in that too. A yeah. couple
1: of cuts, right? And we had these awesome cuts and then it was like, should we go talk to, should we talk to Kendall Cross? And now I'm like, duh. But yeah. And and when we finished that interview, I was like, oh my, he killed it. That was amazing. And, and, and like looking back, I'm like, how did we not think to yeah. talk to him? Cause he gave amazing perspective. Uh, but that was, I cut you off, but that's kind of how that, that came no, out.
0: No, no, that that was awesome because that every chance I get to include, that was actually also, so thinking of Henry, I did not know that Kendall was coaching Raleigh at the, oh three fargo and then kendall sees henry and in episode one of the pseudo experiment at the end when henry makes his debut at fargo kendall has some sound bites on it yeah and like i didn't even know about that until raleigh told me about it. it's so like that's another example but man kendall's the best interview in wrestling hands down like he's whatever you need he'll give you the sound bites he's great at describing things like i love kendall's interviews um and what was your question? I'm sorry. It's got that's so excited right. about. Yeah. Have, have you ever got, um, like we, we oh, I, oh, I, I started a story and changed it. Yeah. I wouldn't say that, but I've, I've, I've done, um, as I'm doing a project, I'll find like a subtopic and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's closely related to this, but that could be its own story. And, and the example I'm thinking of is the documentary we did on Tony Davis, who most people outside of Illinois may not know, First five-time kids champ ever, phenom, and this is a phenom amongst TJ and Joe Williams, where he was even more the phenom, um, and then goes to trouble, gets involved like with actual street gangs, and then gets his life turned around, goes to you and I and wins it. Boom. The sub story though is he was a part of this legendary Mount Carmel team that had six future NCA titles on one team. Joe Williams had three, TJ had two, and Tony had one. To my knowledge, the most of any one team at any given time. But so Mount Carmel wins the Illinois State title in 93, 94, I believe, in the ninety or So 93, 94, 95. Then 96, the Illinois State tournament is canceled because Mount Carmel wrestles in one extra dual meet. So, like, this sub story in Illinois is very legendary. It's the year the Illinois State tournament canceled state because. A lawyer said that Mount Carmel's in the right. Instead of falling on their sword, the IHS, they just canceled Team State. So it was like, that's a very big story within Illinois. Um, but that's like one to me that every interview I went to, people just couldn't shut up about that. And I'm like, God, I'm not even going to include that. I wish you wouldn't talk about it. But, you know, you're just letting them go. It's 10, 15 minutes. But that's one where like I think I have enough footage now just to do that. Um but that, that I mean, it's hard to stay focused on it, but sometimes you have to, but that's one that comes to mind for sure. I'm trying to think of one for Henry, but Henry, we knew going in, it was going to be very precision-like, very tactical, because one, you're not going to waste this guy's time, and two, we were so over-prepared for the interviews that we knew exactly where we wanted to go, and he had a book written. Like, if they have a book written, it's so much easier to know where you're going to go, whereas if they don't have a book written, you're kind of, like, doing a lot of discovery along the way you know so it's it's a whole different story when it's when there's a book and not a book
1: yeah i've noticed sometimes uh through interviewing you'll just or i, I will sometimes on the show or 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 uh, in documentaries i'll just just keep asking questions just keep asking questions just keep asking questions and all of a sudden you're like ah there's the yeah. opening now we're gonna dive in and, and and get deep on this
0: yep exactly yeah i think about it as like all right there's like six topics like one might be Fargo 04. Another one might be uh, with Henry. It was like immigration issues. Um, you know, there was all kind. Terry was a topic. And it's like, all right, let's just start with the topic. And I'll start with like an open-ended question, like what or how. And then after that, it's like, all right, that's like the – you're at the, like the one-inch layer. 30 minutes later, we're hopefully at like a mile deep on that one topic. And now we can move on. You know, it's like – just like you said, you just get them going on one. And then like once you find something, you dive into it, you know? So I think, yeah, similar approaches.
1: Um, Maybe talk about some, ch- any challenges, you know, unforeseen, whether it's during an interview or or the pre or post process.
0: Matt, so the biggest challenge for me, I would say it's just the time because I have a, a full-time job on top of that. So like that's a big challenge. Um, But to me, one specifically I'm thinking of is first time I interviewed John Smith was in his office and you know, there's tons of like little things I'm thinking of. Like, for example, I couldn't figure out how to turn his HVAC off in his office and the HVAC was just blaring like crazy. And these mics pick up everything. So dude, you know how it is, right? Like you can't, you can't find a quiet room, but the real challenge on that one was every time I record with two mics and the main mic, the boom mic after the John Smith interview, like, I I turned the power off before hitting in the recording, so I lost that whole recording. Luckily, I had the backup audio on the lav mic. Yeah, so that was like holy, that was startling. Yeah, that was really like, I was in the hotel room right next to Gallagher, and I went back to the room and like as excited as I was because it went it went perfect according to plan. Yeah, but like I couldn't like really relish in it because I knew I had messed up the main audio recording, which. Luckily, both mics are really good quality, and I do prefer the boom mic. But the lav mic worked. But I was just like, if I didn't have that, I couldn't even go back to him and say I need to do it again. I would oh just like God. just jump off a bridge. I don't even know what I would do. It's like that comes that 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 happens. Um, and actually, when I was interviewing Daniel Cormier for the Henry Cejudo one, DC was the last interview. I flew to San Jose, set up in a studio. The boom mic worked, but the lav mic. The frequency kept getting jammed. I don't know why, but the frequency in the lav mics just kept getting off, and the lav mic didn't work. So it's like I've probably done over a hundred in-person interviews across all the audio docs. Only two have the mics not worked. One was with John Smith, and one was with DC. <laughs> so technical <sighs> issues can be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. One well, on a one-man
1: crew. Good, good job on 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 doing double double recordings yeah. there because that would that would be. Oh my god, yeah, it make me want to puke. Especially if you did that long interview. I I, I learned, and I'm. It's interesting because I, kind of in the same world a little bit, like the, the audio, right? The HVAC humming, or like he, this was an interesting one. One time, the ice machine. We were in a wrestling room. The ice machine was humming, and we're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. So the shooter's like, "I'll just." He unplugs it, and he's like, "Give me the car keys." I'm like, "What?" And he took the car keys and he threw them into the, into the ice machine. I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like. We're gonna forget to turn that back on because we're gonna do this long interview. Yep. So when we're cleaning up and when we're and it happened just like that, we forgot, and then we pack everything up and wind up all the equipment, and we're like, "All right," I'm like, "Where's shit? Where's it? Where's the key?
0: Ah, it's in
1: the ice machine. Yep. Got to turn the yep. ice machine back on." I thought yeah. that was a cool. I one. mean,
0: that's that's a big one, man. It's like if I'm in a hotel room, I always unplug the fridge, but like I have a list now of like I call them noise distractions, and yeah, like the one of the most. I'll never forget this one. I was at Gable's house to interview him for the of doc because Slay beat Joe Williams, and you know he uh, Gable's coaching Joe Williams, and we get there, get set up, and his it was a Friday morning, and it, his uh his lawn people showed up. Oh, so like the mowers are circling around his little cabin, and it's like you, yeah, you can't tell him to leave, so yeah, you just hope you can edit out and post, but man, like it's just amazing the amount of things that'll come up like someone has like an old house phone it'll ring um that happened during the john smith interview too he was he was talking about when he went to tbilisi for the first time and he lost he went like zero and one and um on the train ride back to moscow he was like reflecting and it was really it was awesome it was introspective it was great stuff his office phone rings like halfway through it i'm like unbelievable so Ever since then, when I'm setting up before they get in there, I'll go to their desk and I unplug it. I don't even tell them I'll just uh I, I'll <laughs> plug it back in before I do that all the time now, but they don't even know yeah. uh, I'd plug it back in before I leave, but it's just stuff like that, man. one time we were we were doing a, i forget
1: who we were interviewing, but it, it was a, it was at a a wrestling club and like a little strip center, and next door was uh they, they were cutting sheet metal yep. and we're like, holy crap. And we just had to go over like, Hey man, can you, can you go get lunch or something? Can you, <laughs> I don't know yeah. what to do here. Uh, yeah. So I yeah, guess I, I, there's so many of those. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. What, what are, I don't know. Is there, it started out as a podcast and you're doing audio documentaries. Is there a next evolution video or I don't know, some something else?
0: Yeah. Um, there's, there definitely is. So the, a lot of people ask me that it's like, to me, the podcast isn't a means to an end. It's like, um, I'm not gonna quit my day job and just do the podcast. We do have sponsors and you know, we're keeping the lights on with it, but um to me I just love doing I love doing the interviews. So no plans to stop that. You know, I always say I'm gonna do it for like the next thirty-five years. Just a, a yeah. ridiculous number. So um no plans there. We'll keep doing the audio docs, you know, one a year. Um The film doc is definitely a goal to to do a film doc. You know, I'm obsessed with thirty for thirties like the last Heck dance yeah. to me is like my Bible. Like I've watched the last dance painstaking detail. I can't tell you how many times, like literally over like 50 times. So like to be able to do that's amazing. Um, but it's like a catch 22 because I have a lot of freedom right now. Like my day job is great. I love it. Um, and like when I'm doing the docs, I don't have to go through like a big committee or anyone to get something proven. I just do it myself. Yeah, so it's, awesome. It's, um, I would say like video, I will do a video doc at some point. I've actually already filmed one last summer. It was filmed it's um it's on this guy actually these two guys who after the Iranian revolution of 1979 you know the country went into a militant lockdown you know really really horrible conditions and still some of the same government that they have now but basically like the first athletes to defect were these two wrestlers and you know wrestlers in Iran as we know national heroes so for national team wrestlers to defect was a big deal and they defected at the World Military Games in Venezuela They got marooned in Venezuela for a year because they couldn't – no one would take them, and Venezuela was part of OPEC, so they couldn't go back to Iran. So the net-net is that these guys find their way to America, and um, one becomes a teacher. He just retired. The other one went on to live in Nicaragua, Ardashar Azgari. He has his own story. It's amazing. But So that was filmed last summer. I was actually going to do that before Henry, but then – the Henry opportunities kind of came to me and I had to move on it because of his comeback fight. So that's been filmed. Um, and that would be the first one we're going to do a film doc with. If you would have asked me that question a year ago, I would have said 100% I'm going like film docs only. But then I realized I'm like, the audio docs give me as much satisfaction. And I think a little bit of it was me just and my ego saying I want to do a film doc. But um, now I still want to do it, but I'm not like, it it defines me by now i'm obsessed with doing it. i just like i want to keep doing great stories whether it's film or audio it doesn't really matter to me anymore
1: sure well the, the, they are great and you, you do an awesome you, job brother. with them uh i know we could probably sit here and, and go on and on all day but um i'm, I'm gonna kind of let get close to wrapping this thing up but i, I kind of want to just give you the final word to kind of say whatever you want to say about wrestling why it changed your life doing documentaries yeah. you know
0: well, what? let you me did just say first July? man Thanks to all that you guys do, man, because you're you, obviously flow in itself. But the films, the films you guys do, the Minnesota one, Keepers of the Flame, unbelievable. I mean, I have I have all my favorites, but that one really sticks out because like how hard J-Rob took it when they didn't win in ninety nine. Like, uh-huh. man, like, I love that one. So um, I guess last word Yeah, Thanks to you guys when all you do and all the heart, just the films, the amazing interviews. I love FRL, like um, just a big fan. I think wrestling in general is in a pretty good place right now. Um, There's some things I think we would all like to see change, but, you know, wrestling's in a really good place. Women's wrestling's growing. Like, I think there's a lot of good movement going. I'm excited to see kind of what happens with the new rules. I'm excited to see the turnover in Team USA after 2024, if there's a big turnover heading into 28. Um, You know, with my podcast, we've, we've kind of, I did two episodes a week religiously for four years this summer. I've toned it back to one a week, but you know, if you want to listen to our show, it's called wrestling changed my life. It's you know just, just uh, me interviewing wrestling people. The next audio doc will be probably like next February, but yeah, man, I'm just honored to come on and honored to, to be in the wrestling world, man. It's a, it's an awesome sport. And again, just huge fans of what you guys are doing as well.
1: Yeah, well, thanks, man, and, and I, I'll say the same. You know, I think what you do is awesome, and I'm a big fan, and uh look forward to to running into you at uh, at a wrestling event sometime
0: soon. Definitely, brother. Definitely, man. It'll be good to see you in person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us, man, and uh, have a great rest of your day.
0: Thanks, guys. Take care. All right.
1: Thanks, you too. All right, guys. Ryan Warner from Wrestling Changed My Life. Talked about it all show, but it does amazing work. Um, and that's going to do it for today's show. I'm going to be out of town. Uh, for a couple weeks so we'll be back at the end of the month but thanks so much for tuning in we'll see you next time